In today's show, yeah, there were nine games on. Who cares? There were two trades that went down. Westbrook, Conley, D'Angelo Russell, Vanderbilt, Beasley, all traded. And then Josh Hart ends up with the New York Knicks. We'll talk about all that, plus the nine games. What do you think, Michael? Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lerner and I am the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at redrock underscore beeble, on TikTok at redrock underscore beeble, and on Instagram at locked on fantasy basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by Fangio Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fangio.com slash locked on today to get started. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. So, we're trades. We'll talk about them, but quickly, you know what's going to happen tomorrow? It's a trade deadline show. 1.30 p.m. Eastern. For those of you living in Melbourne, that's 5.30 a.m. Get up early with me. Let's have some coffees. We'll be going for two hours talking about trades that have happened before that, trades that happen all the way up to the deadline, and then doing some analysis after that. Just a full schedule breakdown of what I'm doing tomorrow. We will have that live show. Then after that live show is done, I'll go through and update all my projections over at Basketball Monster. And then I will do another show, a, a show where I've let stuff sink in. I've looked at analysis. I've looked at projections to give you the overall outcomes as I see them from the trade. So there won't be a regular recap show tomorrow. It's going to be pretty pointless with those Thursday things and, and players being pulled in and out of games and things that don't matter. It's more important to focus on a big, robust trade deadline recap show. So I'll have two of those tomorrow. There will also be a, a streaming show for Friday's games as well that gets released. So we'll do that one at some point after the trade deadline as well. So you see the what to watch for and the streaming action for the rest of the week and for Friday's game. So we'll do all of that tomorrow, 1.30 p.m. Eastern. The link is up above my head here. So I'm, my head's not even on the screen. The link's up the top here. Go click it um, and be there. And I'll talk to you in the, uh, in the trade deadline show. We'll have lots of good stuff going on there. Hopefully there's some good moves that happen and... Uh, Pretty interesting start to the uh, the trade season in the NBA at the moment. We had trades today. Morning. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> All right. First one. We talked about this this morning. Did a trade deadline preview on the Western Conference, and we had this rumor come out, and it and it happened basically as we thought. And that's generally what happens when you hear about it from Woj and Shams. Is that you know, the details that they bring are basically what's going to happen, and that's what happened. So that was interesting. Um, what was the trade? D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt Bar all go to Los Angeles. Minnesota gets Mike Conley. I think they got a second round pick as well. The, the, the Wolves and the Jazz get Russell Westbrook, Juan Toscano Anderson, Damian Jones, and a 2027 first round pick that's protected one through four. I want to start on the Utah side of things in general. The overwhelming thought is Russell Westbrook never plays a second for Utah. He gets bought out and that's done. So that's how I'm viewing that. I don't know what that means for Westbrook. The two names that keep coming up are the Clippers and the Chicago Bulls. <sighs> if he plays for the Bulls, I can see him having value, but also being a dreadful fit. But it's the Bulls, man. They can never escape themselves. There's always something there. So Westbrook is a hold for now until we figure out what's going on. If he does end up on the Clippers and the Clippers 
by the way, it looks like they're going to waive John Wall or he's getting traded tomorrow. So he's never going to play for the Clippers again is the expectation. So there are minutes there. But if he goes to the Clippers, Westbrook, he'll probably play fewer minutes than he played for the Lakers. Remember, the Lakers are bad. Their roster is bad and Westbrook still couldn't play 30 minutes a night or be useful. Right? Remember that. But if he does go to Chicago, he probably would start and they would give him too many minutes and he'd screw everything up for a lot of those other players. And you bludgeon his way to numbers, which don't necessarily impact winning and impact DeRozan and Levine and Vooch quite a bit. And obviously Patrick Williams would be invisible. But we don't know that yet. So you hold Westbrook until we find out. But I, I don't get this from Danny Ainge. I know there's so many people I saw tripping over themselves. Man, Danny Ainge has still got it. They cleared this cap space. They, they, but you know what they've done? They gave away. They gave away Boyan Bogdanovich. They've given away Jared Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley, D'Angelo Russell, and they got back Kelly Olenek and a first-round pick that can't even be a top-four pick. Everyone wanted that 2027 Lakers first-round pick unprotected. They didn't even get that. They were talks that they wanted a first-round pick for Vanderbilt, a first-round pick for Beasley, and they got a first-round pick for three rotation players. Two guys in Vanderbilt and Beasley who have started a lot of games this season. I don't think that's a really big win for Utah at all. Yeah, it makes them significantly worse this season, but you get one draft pick out of trading Bogdanovich, Conley, Beasley, Vanderbilt. One first-round pick, which I don't know what happens to the Lakers in 2027. They might be a good team, and that's the 25th pick. I know it opens up cap space, but what, what are they doing with this cap space? Maybe I'll, uh, yeah, I can reserve judgment if they do something great with this cap space in the offseason, and they, yeah, they got out of Conley's $24 million for next season. W what did that matter? He was actually playing pretty well on this team. Um... I, I I can see the positive of getting this Lakers pick. It's not premium. It's pretty good. It's not premium. It can't be a top four pick. And it, pro look, it probably won't be that good. Right? It might be, but it probably won't be. So I think that's a big L from Danny Angel. And it is okay to say that Danny Ainge lost a trade or didn't fleece his opponent. Same as it's okay to say that Masai Ujiri didn't win every move that he makes or nail every draft pick. It's okay to say that. Or that the Grizzlies didn't hit every draft pick. It's okay. Not everyone's 100%. These guys included. And I, I don't love that for the Jazz. I don't love what they... The Gobert stuff, theft. Donovan Mitchell stuff, very good. Bogdanovich trade and, and these trades, I don't know. I don't know. But maybe, look, maybe this is the best that Ainge could do. And the, there wasn't first-round picks available for these guys that we thought there would be. Maybe no one wanted to offer them, but it's a very weird package coming back. Basically, no solid players or prospects and one 2027 protected first-round pick. Only top four. But still, when there was a lot of talk that just getting out of Westbrook's contract would cost the Lakers a first-round pick, the Lakers not only got it, gave up Westbrook and a first-round pick, but got three pretty strong players back. As much as, and if you're going to shit on Rob Pelinka a lot, and I do, because they've assembled horrific rosters, this is a massive W for them, I think. D'Angelo Russell is, for all of his flaws, significantly better than Dennis Schroeder, significantly. Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt, you know what it's going to do? It's going to push guys who are playing. Remember when Lonnie Walker played 30 minutes a night for the Lakers? He's not very good. I don't think he's even going to play at all. I don't know if Tom Bryant's going to be in the rotation at all. They're relying upon Austin Reeves as their third best player to play 30 minutes a night. I'm not sure where his role is. I'm not sure what any... Like their, their rotation is very confusing. But I think it's a massive, massive W for the Lakers. For the Wolves, I think it is a... Um, it's a definite short-term W. But it's probably a long-term L. Russell's a lot younger than Conley, but Russell was a um, a free agent, upcoming free agent, and they weren't interested in re-signing him. So I get that the point there is that, like, yes, Russell is younger, but they probably weren't going to have him next season anyway. So at least getting Conley, who is older, but Conley there, and when they're pushing things all in on a 30-year-old Rudy Gobert, like having Conley be good for the next two years, 
makes some sense. It doesn't make any sense with Anthony Edwards, of course, or Carl Anthony Towns, or the fact that Towns is injured. But as a strict, who's a better player right now? Conley's a better player than D'Angelo Russell. And there's a likelihood they wouldn't have had D'Angelo Russell next season anyway. So they got something out of it. And maybe they turn um, Conley into something else at some point. Yeah, it seems like a big downgrade. But getting that, that I think it does improve your overall play this season, having Conley versus D'Angelo Russell. There seems to be some confusion about Mike Conley as well. I had someone ask me today, man, do we just go grab Jalen Noel or do you think that Conley will soak up Russell's minutes? Yes, like Conley will take all of D'Angelo Russell's minutes. I don't think there's any situation, again, maybe I'm wrong, I don't think there's any situation in the world they go, right, Mike, you're coming in to play Jalen Noel's 19 minutes and he's going to be the starter. I think it's just a straight swap, Conley in for Russell. And there's a lot of people trying to, the, the Wolves situation is the easiest one of them all, right? Like what changes here? Nothing, really. Conley moves in for Russell. Maybe Conley plays one to two more minutes. Uh, and there's a little bit less usage, so maybe a little bit more funnels towards Edwards, maybe one or two shots to go bare, but it's not a huge change here. Doesn't completely kill Kyle Anderson's value. It doesn't supercharge his value. I had both of those questions asked to me. It's in the, it doesn't really do much. It doesn't do much for McDaniels. It doesn't, maybe it impacts Edwards marginally. Maybe it helps go, go bare marginally, but it's nothing that moves the needle for them. Overall, it's, it's a hard one to judge for the Wolves because it is not great having this older point guard and... Where are you going with this team that's sort of disjointed with Edwards, Gobert, Conley on one side, either side of things? But they also might have had nobody. They might not have had Russell at all next season. So maybe that's a W there. Maybe they knew that they weren't going to bother re-signing him or he didn't want to be back. They're all possibilities as well. So that's yeah, how all that sort of trade went down. In terms of fantasy value of this deal... I think that you know, Russell, I think, loses a little bit of value going to LA. One of the things we always do is, well, now who are you playing with LeBron and Davis? So his efficiency will go up. I just think that you should really just, just go into that and and sit and, and look at all these things and go, what is D'Angelo Russell? Like, he's inefficient. And that just won't change. Like, he just will be that guy nearly always. He probably loses some assist opportunities and some usage opportunities. But remember, there was 28 minutes of Russell Westbrook there and Russell basically slides in, takes those, and takes a few extra. But the guys that it really hurts, like Dennis Schroeder, very clear drop to me. Pat Beverly loses out. Austin Reeves loses out. As I said, I don't even know if Tom Bryant's a part of the rotation anymore. Their starting lineup is massively confusing as well. Russell, Davis, James, right? We'll put those guys in, clear starters. Does Beasley start? I, I would start him. Just that spacing is so important. Um, does Hachimura start? I wouldn't. I'd probably consider Vanderbilt, but... Considered Anthony Davis doesn't shoot threes anymore. Does a Vanderbilt-Davis combination work? I'm not sure, but defensively it can. Would you start Beverly? Russell, Beverly, Beasley, James, Davis? That's probably the one I would do. you got shooting there with Russell who can shoot a little bit, with Beverly um, who can space and defend, with Beasley who can shoot, and then you got LeBron and AD. I think that's probably the combination you want. And have Vanderbilt playing some backup four, but mainly backup five behind Davis. Hachimura getting the 20 minutes or so that he deserves. Uh, Lonnie Walker out of the rotation. Dennis Schroeder being a backup and playing alongside Russell at times. Their rotation is very, very confusing. But I do think that Russell remains a 12-teamer. Vanderbilt is probably a 12-teamer. I'm not convinced that Malik is. I don't think Malik's going to play 29 minutes a night or be able to generate enough value. Like, not more value than he had in Utah anyway, where he was a fringe player. So I think he sort of sits on the outside there. Um, and then all these other guys that we were trying, or some people were trying out, like Hachimura, Dennis Schroeder, uh, Troy Brown, Pat Beverly. I don't see them being 12 or honestly 14-team league guys at all. I, I think that they moved to succeed. I, I don't have Rui or Beverly or Schroeder projected as top 200 players 
rest of season. So I think we can feel um, not too bad about moving on from them. We'll go to the other side of this in a second. But today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. The only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Really excited about our new sports betting partner at Locked On because they're the number one sportsbook in America, FanDuel. If you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. If we have a look, any change? I'm sure the Eagles are still one-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, yeah, they are. Of course they are. They're always that. It doesn't change. Let's have, what about the coin toss? Who is going to, what's it going to be? Heads or tails? It's both minus 104. Cool. Who's going to win the toss? Well, both minus 104 are there. These are things you can, you can bet on, of course. And always one of the goat bets is what's the color of the Gatorade poured on the winning head coach. The favorite is yellow, green, lime. That's because it's covering three colors. Of course, it's going to be the favorite. So there you go. They're all of the things, or there's more than that as well. So, um, it's safe, the app, it's secure, it's super easy to use, and best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. So join Fangio today at fangio.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's fangio.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with Fangio, official sportsbook partner of the NFL and of Locked On. And don't forget to gamble responsibly. Let's go back to that trade. If, you, if you're watching here, drop in the comments, who would you start as the Lakers? What do you, who would you start or... What do you think the starting lineup's going to be? I still don't know. Russell, Davis, LeBron, yes. And I think probably Beverly, probably Beasley, but Vanderbilt, Hachimura, Schroeder, Brown, they're all in the mix. Really interesting. The Jazz side of things, they get Westbrook, and he's not going to play for them. So what we're going to see is they lose three rotation players. So there are big opportunities everywhere on this squad. Colin Sexton's the obvious pickup. If he, look, I don't think he's going to blow us away because he's got a terrible fantasy profile and he won't profile as the number one usage guy. That'll still be marketing. So uh, he is a pickup, Sexton, but don't expect top 70. I, I think top 90, top 100 for him in his 32, 33 minutes a night. The other guys that with no Beasley and no Vanderbilt, that means that someone like Damian Jones or uh, Yudoka Azabuke is going to be the backup center. And Kelly Linick will play some backup center as well, but there's no ads in any situation there. As for the replacement for Beasley, we've been talking on this show for a week or two saying, hey, I keep hearing that Ochaig Baji is going to be a 30-minute-a-night player for this team in March. And I think we're there. I think that's what's going to happen. He's not going to start Agbaji. He's going to come off the bench. But so far, he's had a pretty horrible fantasy stat set. No real steals, no blocks, low assists, low rebounds. Usage will go up, but it's not sky high. He'll hit some threes. He's been shooting the three ball really well. And I think he's a worse Malik Beasley. And that makes him not a 12-team league player. So... If I'm in a 16-teamer, I would take a flyer on Agbaji, and I'd probably do the same for Taylor Horton Tucker, who's going to have to absorb the backup point guard role and maybe get 20 minutes a night. So Horton Tucker moves into 14 to 16. Agbaji is 14 to 16, probably more towards 16 for uh, for Oshai. While make sure Kelly Linux rostered, he's a must roster. Obviously, Walker Kessler is, um, and Sexton and Clarkson. They could all be top 100 players. Markin and Kessler, Olenek, Clarkson, Sexton, with Horton, Tucker, and Agbaji, like 14 to 16 team league guys, like maybe top 180 players, maybe best case, I could see Agbaji being 150, best case. I don't think we're going to see much from Toscano Anderson. He'll just battle with Fontecchio and Gay for those backup minutes. And we in Minnesota, as I said, nothing changes. Like Russell out, Conley in. That's really the change. Nothing else that makes that we need to uh, care too much about for fantasy. A lot of talk on trades here, guys. I hope you're, hope you're enjoying this part because I didn't expect it to go this long. Got another one. 
Um, and this one happened, weirdly enough, just before tip-off, and then Josh Hart was given the nod, and he was, he was like, all right, peace out, guys. I'm not going to play. I'll see you later. And they started Gary Payton in his place. But what they what the trade was is the Blazers get Cameron Reddish, Ryan Archer-Jackano, Svima Luke, a protected first-round pick, which is lottery protected for this year. Otherwise, it turns into seconds. And the Knicks get Josh the Hitman Hart. On the Blazers side of things, there's obviously a big gap opening up at the small forward position now. We'll talk about their game today where Gary Payton started and Shaden Sharp um, put up some numbers there as well. But what it's what's also going to get complicated is Justice Winslow is going to be back in the mix. Reddish, to me, is a guy that has been significantly overrated in many stops in his career, but he can be a fantasy useful player because he can get steals at a really high rate and he can do good volume threes. And as a defensive wing player with size, he's bigger than Josh Hart. Um, he And he can shoot. Maybe. I, I think he actually makes a little bit of sense. I don't... I don't know that I would fully go into him as a must-roster player, Cam Reddish, but I would prefer him over Shaden Sharp. I'd prefer him over Justice Winslow. I would probably prefer him over Gary Payton, but I'm not convinced of that one, and I and with Nasir Little. But there's a lot of guys here. Little, Reddish, Payton, Winslow. It sounded like I was about to sing a Bruno Mars song. What you trying to do? Um, <laughs> so I don't know how that all works. I would rather take a flyer on Reddish than Little than Winslow, than Sharp, who's had, honestly, Shaden Sharp has had a pretty terrible um, fantasy profile so far. He's had a pretty terrible fantasy profile so far in his career. There's a chance for more from him, but so far it hasn't looked like he's a good fantasy player. Um, But yeah, there's just a lot of question marks with this squad. Like Gary Payton played 29 minutes. Would he be a worse Herb Jones? Probably. Probably. Um, So look, I, I don't... I don't really highly prioritize any of those guys. I just, again, I've done my projections and Peyton comes out around about 150th and then Winslow Reddish are around 200th, 210th, which is not great for 12 team, but that's projecting Winslow or Reddish at 24 minutes and Winslow at 21 and Little at 22 because I'm not, I don't really see how they're going to go. I think they're going to mix and match things. And if I'm putting my money on one of them, it is going to be on Cam Reddish. And I am a notorious Cam Reddish hater. Hater, big term. I just don't think he's as good as some other people do. But evidently, I think he's better than some others Some others do, like Thomas Thibodeau. So he would be the guy that I'd be most interested in there. I think there's also more upside in what Cam Reddish does versus Gary Payton. And that gives him a slight edge if I'm taking flyers on people. But that one's really still up in the air. Then the Knicks get Josh the Hitman Hart. And what happens there? Quentin Grimes doesn't do very much in that starting lineup usage-wise. He shoots threes, really useful. He defends pretty well. But Josh Hart is like the stereotypical Tom Thibodeau player. You know what I would do? I'd start Hart over Barrett. But I don't know if Tom Thibodeau would do that. So Hart's a very interesting one. We definitely hold him. There is a chance he plays 38 minutes a night here and blows through the top 100, Josh Hart. They've got... They either keep him in a bench roll or they start him over over, um, Grimes. I don't think it's really any sort of situation where he's going to start over Barrett. I feel really confident in saying that you do not want to have Emmanuel quickly now in a 12-team league and really confident that you don't want to have Quentin Grimes. I've always been confident of not rostering Quentin Grimes for a while, and I am absolutely rock solid on that now. Like, there is no way that he's playing more minutes when he was already, like, probably not a 12-team league guy. He's not playing more minutes that Hart replaces someone who got zero minutes. So Hart has to squeeze someone else. Juice McBride's out of the rotation, but Quickly's going to drop off a lot. I think Grimes is going to drop off pretty significantly, and Thibodeau is going to fall in love with Josh Hart. I think he's going to end up playing a ton of minutes. And don't be surprised if Barrett loses playing time here as well. Randall won't, Brunson won't, but don't be surprised if Barrett, Grimes, and Quickly all lose out here. Hold on to Hart, 
drop quickly in Grimes. They are absolutely droppable, in my opinion, in 12-team leagues. Maybe something changes and maybe they do something different. Maybe Thibodeau hates Josh Hart. Maybe Grimes does more, but doesn't make any sense that he would. Remember, Zero is going out of the Knicks rotation and Josh Hart is coming in. People have to lose out. And there's not that many guys to lose out. So it's going to be quickly. It's going to be Grimes. McBride's going to get turfed all the way out. And maybe it's Barrett. Maybe it's Barrett. If Barrett goes down to 27 minutes a night, there is no way you hold him. I don't think that'll happen. But it is something to um, it is something to pay attention to. That was a lot to talk about. Uh, I'd love your opinions on it. There's so much going on. And there's going to be way more that changes tomorrow as well. So just be uh, just be aware of that. All right, now that I've wasted 20 minutes talking about two trades, holy shit, tomorrow's show is going to be long. Let's get into these nine games. The first one, the Hornets and the Wizards. The Wizards win 118-104. Paul Washington Jr., 20 points, three steals, two blocks, three threes. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. Yeah, I don't know with this bloke. He's 245th in the last week, and he had this game in the last week. That's how crazy the numbers are for him. Still not a top 100 player this season. Been very up and down. Terry Rozier, 19-7-6 on poor shooting. What's new? But at least he had two steals, and LaMelo had 16-6-4. And it was a solid game from Gordon Hayward. Nothing great, but 15-3-2 with one steal. It's okay. Hayward's the sort of guy that with these performances, if something comes up that's really good at the deadline, I'd be okay dropping him. The Cockroach, Mason Plumley. Look, I suppose when you go to the locker room with a sprained hand and your team's going nowhere, and you've been inefficient as a 33-year-old unrestricted free agent center, You've got to get every opportunity to come in and play the final 15 consecutive minutes in a game. That just is what's written in Coaching Handbooks 101. It's everywhere. That's what we always want to do. Why would we develop someone else when a player's playing poorly and injured? Rush them back in. The, the common sense is astounding. That's what we got from the Cockroach, 10 and 7. While Mark Williams had 9 and 8 with two blocks. We hold Mark Williams, and we, then we get really frustrated that Clifford doesn't... Um, well, not Clifford, that uh, old mate Mitch Kupchak doesn't trade away Plumlee. If Plumley isn't traded tomorrow, I'd like to hold Williams to see, but if you wanted to drop, I don't care because the likelihood of, oh, all of a sudden, Steve Clifford's now going to start Mark Williams seems extraordinarily low. I've got no problem with jacking off uh, Jalen McDaniels, six points in seven, 10 minutes. I've told you this has been coming for a while. That's what happens. Three steals, a block. That's good, but there's just not enough there. And when Ubre returns, there's going to be even less there for him. So I don't think that he needs to be held. For the Wizards, no Kuzma, no Monte Morris. Dylan Wright started two points. That's not good, but six boards, 10 assists, and a steal. He's definitely moved into streamer territory for me, not must roster. Well, it was a good Denny Update game. I'd sell high. Not because I don't like Denny, but because it's all every one of his good games seems to come with someone out of the rotation. So 37 minutes, 20 and 13 with three threes. No defensive stats, but no Kuzma, no Morris. And then in those games where they're all healthy, he goes to the bench and he plays 27 minutes. He doesn't do anything. I still feel much more comfortable with um, locker room legend Daniel Gafford, who, of course, had another trip to the locker room in this one. 13-5, and five, a steal, three blocks, 88 from the line, 29 minutes. I feel more confident about him getting 29 minutes every game than I do with Denny playing 37. Beal had 17 points, 10 assists, and three blocks. Those three blocks are a little bit nice. Well, uh, is Porzingis the best player on this team? He is, yeah. Porzingis. 36-9, eight threes, two blocks. He's been amazing. Fifth-ranked player over the last week, 19th for the season. Um, it's been a joy to have Christos Porzingis uh, on a fantasy team, which is not something that you can say uh, all that often. The second game, the Detroit Pistons got smacked by the Cleveland Cavaliers. Have I got much time to talk about Dwayne Casey, do you reckon? We'll talk about it now. Um, 
He decided to go back to starting Killian Hayes, who played 29 minutes, 9, 2, and 6 with two steals. I think Hayes is a 12-team league guy. But then when they asked him, well, how come he went back to this? He goes, oh, just trying to get him back into the roles they had before. Now, I'm very, very sorry. This might come across very loud or very crude or very crass. My guy, the reason they don't have the roles that they had before is because you changed them. That's why they don't have the roles. Don't act like it's some other otherworldly source. The reason Killian Hayes and Alec Burks don't have the same role as they had before is because you, genius in a suit, decided to change it up. Nonsense. Now, I, I actually partially defended Casey. I said, I wouldn't do it because I don't believe that Ivy's ever going to be the main ball handler. So getting him to work off ball is the main thing to do. But I said, oh, if you want to try him out and, and get, take the, let him run plays, I get moving Hayes to the bench and giving him a quality shooter next to him. Made no sense for the structure of the team moving forward. But then go back to a five games later, uh, idiocy. Passport legend Jalen Durham played 27 minutes, 14 and nine with three blocks. Had some foul trouble here early, but played through that and only ended with two fouls. See, you can actually stay out of foul trouble if you have two early fouls. It annoys me that they won't play him 33 minutes because you got to get Isaiah Stewart into the game or three minutes of Nerlens Noel for something. Stewart had nine and seven, a triple one. I, I just, I don't know. He's he's really very quickly, Isaiah Stewart, through no fault of his own. It's through the role he gets pushed into. One of those players that I just hate watching. Not quite Dylan Brooks, because Brooks actively does it to make you hate watching him. But watching Stewart is really frustrating. And Jaden Ivey's minutes are back in the toilet. 26 minutes, 10, one and one. This is why Jaden Ivey has been a waiver wire player all season in category leagues. For like, nothing, nonsense, absolute useless numbers. In a points league, I still hold. In a category league, totally droppable if something good comes up. Now, the role is relatively secure, but I say that, and he might play 27 a night. I don't know. Sadiq Bey. It appears that the Pistons are just like, he is never a starter for us. Unless Bogdanovich goes. We can't start them together, and I do get that. I do get that. But he was really bad here. Seven points on 17%. After a really strong run of games, this is disappointing. He is a soft hold, but I think he's going to end up one of those guys that sort of oscillates between your 10th best guy and your 15th best guy. You don't even have 15 guys on your roster, so you get what I'm saying there. Alec Burks went from starting to playing 16 minutes and having four points, shooting 10%. You can move on from him. Alec Burks. Haven't jacked anyone officially, so let's do it. He's gone. He's good. That's the wrong number. Get that garbage out of here. Psych. That's the wrong number. For the Cavs, what do we take away? Nothing, really. Uh, no Garland, no Mitchell. So Hull Neto played 36 minutes and had 14 with eight assists and four steals. Hull Neto is one of those guys that sits down, doesn't play, comes in, and you go, oh, he's actually really good. And he doesn't play again. One of those ultimate professional guys that can just slide in and play well and then go back to the bench and it doesn't matter. Levert, Leverted, he had five points, five re sorry, he had 15 points, five rebounds, five assists on 31% shooting. At least he hit his free throws. But we know the story with Levert. We use him when the guards are out. And when they're back, he's useless. Isaac Okoro, don't look now. He's top 80 over the last week. I mean, look at it. Don't get sucked in. But 7, 4, and 5, two blocks. He's at least a 14-team league guy here, Okoro. I think he's takes, taken some really big strides forward. Jarrett Allen had 20 and 14. Mobley, 19 and 8. And um, disappointing from Rubio. I thought he could have done more. But he's a, that's a heavy restriction if he's only playing 16 minutes while the starters are out. He had four assists. He's obviously not a 12-team league player. But he is a streamable player. While uh, the Discman, City Arsman. 23%, six points. We know he's unreliable. Even though Kevin Love's out of the rotation, um, Osman is 100% unreliable. The Sixers and the Celtics, 106 Boston, 99 Philadelphia. Jimmy Harden, 26, 3 and 11, pretty good. Embiid, 28 and 7, two steals and a block, pretty good. 
Doc Rivers and his three different starting lineups, terrible because he never uses them. He uses one. The last couple of games, Melton's minutes have gone back up. 33 minutes, 12 and four, two threes, three assists and a steal. We hold through that. And despite him being honestly horrible, we do hold on to Tyrese Maxey. He's 277th over the last week, six points in 22 minutes. And do you, do you think you know what I'm, what I'm going to say? I think you do. What am I going to say about Tyrese Maxey? If he's not hitting shots, he's doing nothing. Six, five, and two, 21%. Missed his only free throw. No steals, no blocks, no threes. Um, it has been a gigantic fall away. Massive drop off. I expected a drop off, but I didn't expect this drop off. I also expected a drop off from the Thick Hogsman, Tobias Harris. Um, I think I am a TH. T to the H. Yeah, TH for life. And um, yeah, he maybe looks stupid for a lot of the season. He had four and four on 20% shooting here. Will Tobias Harris end up being droppable? Will Maxi end up being droppable? I'm not going to rule that out. I don't. We're not there yet. We're definitely not. We're not dropping them at this point. But once we hit the playoffs, if we're still getting like low usage, reduced efficiency, no defensive stat, Tobias Harris, he had 15 usage here. That's not. There's no use in holding him. We do it for now. We hold for now with Harris and with Maxi. But they are absolutely not locked in. I don't think as we move forward. Not locked in. It's not looking great. But trades can happen, of course. PJ Tucker had eight points in 25 minutes, and that's all we need to talk about with the Sixers. For the um, Celtics, really hard to say anything here. Marcus Smart was out. Rob Williams was out. Al Horford was out. And then Jalen Brown literally broke his face. Huh. Um, we hope that it's not anything significantly long-term, but the expectation is he's going to be out through the All-Star break. And that is obviously not great. But the fact that the All-Star break is coming up gives additional healing time without missing games. So that, that's a positive. Sam Hauser, I think, has nine threes in the last two games. He had 20 minutes here, 14 points, four threes. That's at least a deep league stream. I wouldn't burn the ad now. I'd do it after the deadline if that's necessary. But it obviously bolsters the value of Brogdon, who had 19, five and three, and White, who had 19, six and three in 38 minutes. We also got a big Grant Williams game, 39 minutes for the big fella, 15, eight and five with four threes. I don't love him as a 12 ad, but we'll watch that one. And Blake Griffin had 15 points with five threes in 18 minutes. The thing is that Smart, Williams, and Horford all could be back in the next game or two. And then the only thing we're missing is Jalen Brown and the Grant Williams stream doesn't do anything. Hauser doesn't really do anything. But they they could be very active in trades. Yeah, Pritchard and Gallinari could be on the block, uh, on the move. Uh, Grant Williams could be on the move for all I know. There's a lot of things that can happen. By the way, Grant Williams did sprain his ankle in the last like minute or so of this game. Stayed in, but was limping around in the locker room. So we pay attention to that for Grant. But a terrible blow for Jalen Brown, especially if you've got him in fantasy, but for the Celtics too. The, the timing of it probably couldn't be better. He, he might miss the All-Stars. So that's terrible for him. But in terms of minimizing games missed from a fantasy perspective, breaking your face across the All-Star break means you miss fewer games. So he might miss three weeks and miss six games. Again, which is a huge positive. He'll probably come back with a mask on. Would be the guess. Game four. Uh, the Raptors beat the Spurs 98-112. Spurs were without Devin Vassell, Trey Jones, Jeremy Sohan, Romeo Langford. We know Vassell's still out for a few more weeks at least, but... Jones, Sohan, Langford, we don't know. And that really makes it really hard to make decisions on Joshy Richardson. 14 and 7, a steal and three blocks is really good. 27% shooting isn't, but everything else is really good. And he is a 12-team league guy while players are out, but it is a stream. And he could very easily get traded tomorrow. So don't get too excited. I don't understand the Yucca Pertle plan. We thought, oh, he's only playing 22 minutes. They're protecting him for a trade. So the last three games before the deadline, he plays 28 a night. 
It makes those other games make no sense. 12 and 7 with two steals for Pirtle, while Zach Collins had 7 and 4. Still holding on to Collins, just in case, but he's losing some appeal here. While Branham, this is why I wasn't that excited as a long-termer on Branham. Four points, 25%. No threes, five rebounds, three assists. I do like him, but there are a lot of hurdles in front of him, not even, not even accounting for his sporadic play or lack of consistency or shooting. Keta Bates, Diop stunk, 10 points for him on uh, with two or five free throw shooting. That's really bad. And the horse, Kelton Johnson, was pretty strong. Wasn't his best game, but he was pretty strong. Whose horse is that? 22-7-3. The scoring from him is really good. I think we just accepted he's RJ Barrett, though. He's just never going to get defensive stats. And it was a, uh, not, not the best night from the line. Five or seven. It's not terrible, but it's also not uh, it's not great when you're at 71% on decent volume. But he's just sort of been, been solid, I think. For the Raptors, that's about three games in a row of good, good stuff from Boucher. 30 minutes, 18 and 11, three steals, three blocks, two threes. More minutes than Precious Achua. I don't mind adding Boucher. I've been reluctant because of the reluctance that Nick Nurse has. But, you know, I, I, I don't think Precious Achua is a very good player. And we're getting more Boucher here. He could blow up in your face really easily, but that's it is interesting. Siakam had 37, 10 and 7. Good from him. Achua. Not bad, but not great. 10 and 7 are still two blocks. Still probably want to hold him, but I am leaning more towards Boucher now. If they're going to play equal minutes, Boucher is a better per minute producer. Scotland Barnes stunk 10, 9, and 4, and Gary Trent wasn't great with his shooting. 38 from the field, 1 of 2 from the line, 15, 5, and 3. But he got the two steals. He hit the two threes. Um, those two guys are a little bit off with their games. Van Vliet, 16, 2, and 4, three steals and a block. But don't get too much, or don't read too much into the Raptors, of course. Tons and tons of them for, for them can change tomorrow. The Indiana Pacers and the Miami Heat, 116 Miami, 111 Indiana. The one thing that's going to stand out here is why did Benedict Matherin play 13 minutes? Because Rick Carlisle just said other players were better. That's what happened. I Look, if we're holding on to Matherin, he's the 202nd ranked player in category leagues this season. He's had ample opportunities. And as soon as Halliburton came back, everything has fallen off. I don't think you need to hold him. Is his upside good enough to deal with this? I don't think so. I don't think so. Bud Heald had 29 and 7. Turner, 21 and 10. And then out of nowhere, with Manedict, Matherin struggling, um, Timothy John, 18, 3 and 6, 67% shooting. I wouldn't go back and add him, but that was interesting to see. I think it was two days ago I talked about Aaron Neesmith saying, look, I just don't want to deal with it because he has the big games, you add him, then he has the stinkers and you drop him, then he has the big games when he's on the waiver wire and you add him, then he has the stinkers when you have him, and he stunk. Seven and three with a, seven with a three-pointer. Like, that's not good enough for me to bother with that in 12 teams. He also had a trip to the locker room in this game with... Um, oh, that was right at the very end of the game. It should be okay, but we don't know. And then Chris Duarte was back in the uh, rotation with four points in 20 minutes. So Denise Smith, Matherin, Duarte, McConnell, that quartet sort of eating each other. Almost said something real rude there. But eating each other's playing time makes them really hard to have any reliability. Halliburton was not great. 11 points, low usage, 38% shooting. The 10 assists are nice. He's obviously been really, really strong. But interestingly, over the last week, 76th. Hasn't quite hit that stride back yet, has he? Isaiah Jackson out of the rotation, so Daniel Tice can play 18 minutes. What on earth are you doing, Carlo? Like, honestly, what are you doing? Jalen Smith didn't play, but at least we got an update to tell us he was sick. That was cool. You don't need to hold Isaiah Jackson, just in case you're wondering. The Heat without Kyle Lowry. Um, Double cheeked up on a Thursday afternoon. You can get rid of him. You can get rid of Kyle Lowry, I think. 
I think that there is a chance. It's not likely, but there's a chance that Gabe Vincent just stays as their starter. 17, 4, and 3, 3 triples, 36%. I think adding Gabe is probably okay. Bam had 38, 9, massive from him. And Jim Butler, 25, 5, and 7. Would you believe Bam Adebayo is the second-ranked player over the last week? I don't, but he, but he is. He had 14 of 14 from the line. Really strong double-double from Caleb Martin as well. 12 and 11 with four steals. He's not reliable, but he's had a couple of double-doubles in the last week. Um, nice 14-team league guy. Hero still just can't get it going. 29% shooting, 15 and 6. And Highsmith had four points in 25 minutes. Orlando Robinson, after apparently being out for five weeks, missed two games. He had two points in 11 minutes. They were without Oladipo and Lowry in this game, though. The next one, the Sacramento Kings. Some curious stuff happening at the end of this game, but they get the free throws on the final shot attempt from Darren Fox taking the shot. Eric Gordon committing the foul. The Kings win at 130-128. Fox played 38 minutes. 31, 5, and 11 with two steals. He's pretty much going the Shea Gildas-Alexander diet at the moment. I'm just going to drive and score and never shoot threes. Fair enough. He doesn't, he's not good at them. Sabonis had 22, 9, and 5. And Malik Monk, the hot streak continues. 17, 4, and 3, two steals, three threes. Probably is worth adding when he's playing like this. He probably is. And with him playing like that, it means that Kevin Herter is in the shit. And I don't know, but... Get that garbage out of here! Is his upside consistently good enough to hold through the bad times. And you could say, yeah, he'll have some top 60 runs when he shoots 50% from three, but do we need to deal with it? I'm, I'm not actually convinced. Harrison Barnes had a 16-point game with nothing else, and Keegan Murray had 10 points with not much else either. I think they are. I think Herder, Barnes, Keegan Murray are very much fringe 12-team league guys in that you can have them, but you also don't have to. They just sit there. They can be on your roster, but if there's something else you want to do, and you have to sacrifice them, I don't think you should beat yourself up about it. And Monk's in that mix as well. Yeah, Monk is behind them, but he's also outperforming all three of those guys at the moment. Monk's 60th over the last week, Barnes is 134th, Keegan's 205th, and Hurd is 166th. So Monk's the best producer out of that quartet. But will that last? Probably not. But they are all sort of just in there, mixing with each other, where they all sit there and go, eh, maybe, maybe not. For the Rockets, the Delicate Dancer, Alperen Sengun. It's a delicate dance in just 17 steps. Almost a triple-double, so definitely not a good game. 18, 9, and 11 with a triple-one. Really good efficiency. He dropped off a little bit. This was good to get back on track. And what, what do we do with the Filipino legend, Jalen Green? 37 minutes, 41 points. You love it. Six triples and nothing else. And then you look at it and you get absolutely shit scared. And you go, oh, but if he doesn't shoot 64% next game, it's going to be a disaster. And that's basically the Jalen Green experience. He's a Comfortable top 100 player in points. He's top 75, actually. But in category leagues, he's not even top 120. You have to punt field goals, and you have to understand consistency issues with him. Jabari Smith, speaking of bad, 9-6. and six. He had two blocks, but I, I don't think there's anything that justifies him as a must-roster player at the moment. Interestingly, with the rookies, I'm just trying to think. Walker Kessler, Jalen Duren, must-roster guys. Mark Williams, stashy guy to have. Paul Bunkero must roster, but production is not top 100. And then, is there anyone else who's a 12-team league guy? Maybe I'm, I feel like I'm missing someone there. Like Ivy, no. Matherin, no. Sharp, no. Um, like These Murray, no. Smith, no. Like, it's literally Kessler and Duran, I feel like. And Bunkero, who flashes big points, but it's not as good for fantasy. Rough, rough. Um, 20 minutes from Tari. It sounds like a dog. 20 minutes from Tari Eason, 10 and 4. 
No defensive stats. I didn't think he was that good in this game. You know my thoughts on Eason? I don't think he's a stash. KJ Martin is fifth. Well, KJ Martin's on a stash. He's just a guy that's giving value. 15 and 5 with two blocks, while the Wild Thing had 16 points in 25 minutes. That's Jay Sean Tate. Even the Wild Thing's gone well. I can't do much about that. Eric Gordon was weirdly absent in this game. Nine points in 31 minutes. Didn't do much, but he'd been playing well, but we're not really doing much to go and add him given the uncertainty of where he's going to be playing as of this time tomorrow. The next game we look at, the Minnesota Timberwolves beat the Jazz, and honestly, I don't really know what to talk about. But what I will talk about is you look at this game and you go, Jalen Noel scored 30 points with six assists, six triples, and two steals, and people will add him based on this. And I really, really highly caution against that. He has had opportunities all season. He has struggled most of that. And he played these minutes because Kyle, and- Kyle, and- Kyle Anderson was out, D'Angelo Russell was out, Rudy Gobert was out. Like, don't read into it. I wouldn't add him. Like, you could say the same thing and go, well, Torian Prince, 12, 5, and 7, one steal, two blocks. Must add player. Not really. Jaden McDaniels, the king of not scaling it up. 14, 4, and 4 in 25 minutes. Well, the uh, the Wizard of Noz, Nas Reed, had 8 and 7 in 22 minutes. I don't think you need to hold Nas Reed in 12 team leagues. I know Gobert's out. I don't know if that's going to be an ongoing thing. Um, and I, I don't think. Is this Cam Thomas again? Maybe. So I'm not going to rule it out just in case. Is Jalen Noel an ad? I, I really don't think so. I don't think that he is going to get the start over Mike Conley. And he has been bad for the vast majority of this season. He's had plenty of opportunities. This was great. He shot 69% from the field. I I don't think that he is an ad. Again, the opportunities that are, uh, opened up in Minnesota aren't there. It's Russell for Conley. Conley is Conley's better than Russell. They'll just straight swap in, I would guess. I could be very wrong and Finch might do something very different. And until Conley gets there, there might be some real good stream value for Noel across the weekend. But outside of that, no, it's not a long-term scenario. I don't believe. I, I honestly don't. He's the 252nd ranked player this season and literally nothing opened up in terms of minutes. For the Jazz, Walker Kessler, 16-9, and nine, a steal and three blocks, while the Padawan, it's a very Colin Sexton line, 22-5-5. Five and five. I like the five assists. He's a 12-team league guy now, for sure. Markkinen had 21-5-3, um, and three, while Horton Tucker, 15-1-6. and six. I like, as I said it all earlier, I like him as a 14-16-team league guy. Agbaji, this is why I don't love it. Like, he can be better than this pretty clearly, but 24 minutes, zero points. Missed all four of his shots, no defensive stats, no threes. He does not profile as a great fantasy guy. He might be able to sneak into the top 200, but it's not, I'm not adding in 12s or really in 14s. It's more 16s. Jordy Clarkson had eight, while Olenek played only 22 minutes, 14 and six, but good enough there. Olenek's a 12er. Um, as I said, the starters. Kessler, Sexton, Markkinen, Clarkson, Olenek, 12-team league players. Horton Tucker, 14s. Agbaji, 16s. And I think that basically played out here because the guys that came across, Toscano Anderson, Damian Jones, and Westbrook, they're probably not going to play. So we actually got an idea of what the rotation looks like. Those guys are likely just not going to play uh, the majority of nights, I'd guess. Before we do go on to this next game, when I reported the trade at the start, I forgot to include a piece. Nikhil Alexander-Walker went from the Jazz to the Wolves. I don't know where he fits in. Probably doesn't play at all. But you know, he's going to be in the mix there with McLaughlin and Noel and Rivers coming off the bench. But he probably doesn't play. And I said that they only got one second round pick. They got three second round picks, the Timberwolves. So apologies for that. Earlier on, let's go to the next game where there was some intrigue about the Dallas Mavericks debut of Kyrie Irving. And they get the win on the road against the Clippers. Um, if my screen would update correctly to give me the right score, that would be really, really good. So how did Kyrie go? 
37 minutes after Jason Kidd said, no, he'll only play 34 to 36. That's cool though. 24, 4, and 5 are stealing a block. It's basically just Kyrie. That's just what Kyrie does. He does Kyrie things, and he did Kyrie things here. A lot of minutes for some other players, but again, we have to take all of this with a grain of salt because Luka Doncic was out. So Josh Green played 40 minutes. 14 and 5, two steals and a block. That's a really, really strong game. But he took seven shots in a game that Doncic did not play. That does not give me any high hopes for any sort of usage situation. The two steals is really nice. The 40 minutes, eh, I don't know about that. But I think that there is a chance. Look, we still don't know who's going to start. It's going to be Kyrie, obviously. Right? And then, I don't know. Dwight Powell, probably. Kyrie, Luca, Dwight Powell. And then Bullock looks like he's got himself a spot there. Does Hardaway get the other one? Does Green get the other one? Someone's going to miss out there. I don't know who it's going to be. It feels like Christian Wood's going to be one of the ones who misses out. But... Yeah, Green is, like I said when we did the initial Kyrie trade uh, show, that Green is a really strong 14-team league ad guy, and I, I stand by that. Um, 12 teams, I think he's going to be a borderline. This is really strong, but it, but Luca is not there, and that is going to impact minutes, and even those seven shots, like or and he's not going to shoot 71% on, on seven shots either. Bullock was really strong as well. 18, 5, and 6, two steals and six triples. When we ever look at Reggie Bullock and go, you know what? Big assist guy, um, real big volume scorer. He's going to go back, I would guess, to being pretty invisible without Luca. Oh, when Luca comes back, um, look, those numbers suggest add, but I'm not so sure. Dwight Powell had ten and six in twenty-three minutes, and I tell you what, I'm very, very worried about the crucifix, Christian Wood. Seventeen minutes only, didn't play at all in the first quarter. Yes, he's coming back from an injury, but it was a thumb injury. He should be able to play more than this. And when I broke down the trade. Um, when it happened, then today when I talked about the Mavericks and who they're likely to trade, I said they don't need what he brings offensively as much. And defensively, he's not particularly good. So I, I don't really know where he fits and will he get traded or not. And at the moment, he they don't want to use him as a starter. They, they just don't. Whether that sticks or not when Doncic returns, I've got no idea. But that's not good enough. Six points in 17 minutes. And this is without Luca. I'm not dropping Christian Wood, but you know, in three weeks' time, it very well could be a drop. We'll see what happens tomorrow. We'll see what happens in their next game across the weekend when Kyrie and Luca play together. But so far, it looks like they don't want that level of defensive liability in the front court with Kyrie and Luca on the court, and they're just going to roll with Dwight Powell. As frustrating as it might feel, it's what it's looking like at the moment. Jaden Hardy scored 29 last game. He had eight points in 12 minutes. He'll probably go out of the rotation when Luca comes back. And Hardaway had 19, 5, and 6. Really strong again. But him and Reggie Bullock aren't combining for 12 assists when Luca plays. Hardaway might get the starting gig. It might be Josh Green. It might be Bullock. Well, two of those three will get the start. Um, very hard for me to look at uh, Hardaway as a 12-team league player. On the Clippers, Norman Powell, 28 minutes, 24 and 7. Um, massive usage, 37 usage. You don't really see him getting that usage while Kawhi and Paul George are below it. Kawhi below 20% as well. Really strong game from Norm. While Terrence Mann also played 35 minutes. 21, 3, and 4, 4 threes. I'm not adding Mann based on this, but this is really good because there are a couple of things happening here. I said with John Wall, it looks like he won't play for the Clippers again. He'll either be traded or bought out, and then they are in the runnings for for Reggie Reggie Westbrook. Jesus. No, Russell um, Russell Westbrook. I wish I had a, a drop that said price of the brick going down. Price of the brick going up. So that's going to limit man as well because they would probably start Westbrook and it would be not a good fit and that would limit man. Don't add him based on this. Zubats had nine and 10 while Marcus Morris, two points, 
Six rebounds, four assists, and two steals on 13%. Morris, I think, is just going to be an elite 12-team streamer versus being a must-roster 12-team league guy. Reggie Jackson, only 17 minutes, and Batum, only 15. People are still holding on to Bob Covington, by the way. He had three points in 12. He is not a 12 or a 14-team league guy. Batum is a 16-team league player, and Jackson's like a 16-team league sort of a guy as well. Not the best night from Kawhi, 18-4 and 4 with two steals, but that's all right. That's fine. 20-5 and five with four assists for Paul George as well in his 34 minutes. The last game of the night, the Golden State Warriors and the Portland Trailblazers, another team impacted by trades. The Blazers win it 125-122. Steph was out, so they went back to Kevon Looney over John Kaminga. 14 minutes for Looney. He did have some fouls, but we don't need him in a 12-team league. We don't need Kaminga either, who had two points. But maybe we do need DiVincenzo. 30 minutes, 18 points, five threes, three steals. Shot the ball well. Todd said that he was sort of on my borderline as to whether he's an ad or you, you want to see how it goes. I, I think he's pushed slightly above that border. So yeah, add him. Yeah, it was worth it was worth the ad if you did it. And if you missed out, I don't think it's going to kill you. But it, it was really strong, obviously. Clay had 31, 3 and 6 with 7 triples. And Wiggins, one of his better games, 18 and 10, 4 steals um, for Andy. It was a big Jordan Poole game. 38 points, 7 triples, 7 assists on really, really good shooting stuff. For the Blazers... Oi, Damo, give us your lighter. 40 minutes for Damian Lillard, 33, 10, and 11. He's been unbelievable. Seventh-ranked player now for the season, 16 of 16 from the line. And we talked about Anthony Simons on the buy low, sell high. Say, so, hey, what's going to happen to his shooting? Well, it fell away. But, but it was good otherwise. 11 points on 33% is bad. But six assists, three steals, and a block, very good to get those peripherals. You don't normally get them. Be thankful for that. Well, Jeremy Grant, able to bounce back as well, 22-4-1. But the big gap is still going to be what the hell happens with Josh Hart gone, and we didn't get any answers at all. Nasir Little played 26 minutes. He had 9-5. and five. He's a quite a poor permanent fantasy guy. We don't want him in 12s. Gary Payton started and had 9-3 and three in 22 minutes. He's going to be a steel streamer, but worse than a Caruso or a Herb Jones, I think. I don't think I'd add him. You've got Justice Winslow who'll come back at some point, and then you're going to have the addition of Cam Reddish. Reddish, like I said earlier, I think has the best permanent upside of all of those guys and has the size and length and defensive chops to probably get that position, but it might take a little bit of time, and I don't love adding any of them. Shaden Sharp scored well, but only played 22 minutes. And it came on 71% shooting, 13 and 7. He got a block, but this guy's allergic to assists and doesn't normally get rebounds. I don't think Shaden Sharp is a 12-team league guy either. He might have some flashes, and maybe he does step up into this role full-time. Maybe part of him you know, pulling out of the dunk contest to focus on the second half of the season because the Blazers said, hey, we're going to trade Josh Hart and you're going to be our future starter if you work into it. That is distinctly possible. It's a little bit tinfoily, but it's distinctly possible. I still don't know whether Sharp is going to be useful. He might be like a Jaden Ivey or a Benedict Matherin who play starters minutes and don't really even sniff the top 150 for category leagues. I fear that's where he's been and all of his permanent stuff so far has been pretty bad. This was encouraging with shooting, but I still don't really think that it's a must roster. And the center spot, ugh. 17 minutes for Eubanks, 10 and 6. Well, Watford played 31 and had 8, 8 and 5. And they're both like, okay. Over the last week, Eubanks is 142nd, Watford's 146th. Meaning that they both could be on a 12-team roster, but you could also not worry about them too much. I think you probably still want Eubanks over Watford, but in the end, I think that that's going to be your worst player meaning that they're eminently streamable while we wait for Nurkic to come back, much like a Xavier Tillman, Brandon Clark situation in Memphis, where the minutes go back and forward, and how do I pick who's going to have the big game on which night and where the minutes go every every day? It feels like it's going to be a lower place. I feel like the small forward position between Little, Payton, Winslow, Sharp, and Reddish might be like that as well, rendering none of those guys 12-teamers. 
a couple 14-teamers, and that's probably about it. Very interesting stuff developing, though. The lines of the night, the monstrous does go to Idris Adebayo. The waiver wire line of the night is Jalen Noel. Your young gun is Alprin Shingun. The dud of the night is Tangles, Tyrese Maxey. Top 10 players in category leagues. Number one is Bam Adebayo. Number two is Lillard, followed by Siakam, Porzingis, Noel. That's Jalen, not Nerlens. Uh, Chris Boucher at six, Buddy Heald at seven, Harden at eight, Geordie Poole at nine, and Shingun at 10. Your top 10 players rostered in under 50% of leagues. Number one was Noel. We talked about that just earlier. Um... Yeah, solid. I don't really think he's a 12-team league ad, though. Torian Prince, that's interesting. The two top waiver wire players were both from the Wolves because they had no D'Angelo Russell, no Kyle Anderson, no Austin Rivers, no Rudy Gobert. Stepped up into big opportunities. Reggie Bullock, definitely tickling my interest bone. Probably won't add him. Luca Garza, Wolves again. Hal Neto, with your guys out in Cleveland, not worth it. Showing you again that when trades happen and weird stuff happens, there's a lot of stream value that can appear. Joshie Richardson, I do like it. I'm just worried that it all goes away tomorrow. Caleb Martin, nice 14-teamer. Grant Williams, hurt his ankle at the end, so we'll watch that. Not a 12-teamer. I didn't even mention Josh Miner. Very impressed with Josh Miner. Um, really interesting dynasty guy. Profiled coming out of Memphis as a Jared Vanderbilt type of player, but with maybe a little bit of extra shooting. And the last two games, very, very good. I don't think he's got a strong role rest of season, but in a dynasty league, this is a guy that might sneak one or two top 100 seasons. And then Sam Hauser with the injury to Jalen Brown, maybe he gets some minutes, but I don't think he'd be a must-roster 12-team league player. Your top 10 players in points leagues, Siakam at one, then Lillard, Fox, Porzingis, Adebayo, Anthony Edwards, James Harden, Jalen Noel, Chris Boucher, and Clay Thompson. And that, guys, will do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. And if you're here on YouTube, thumb it up and leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.